Today, I'll be joined by Trevor Sikma of Pro Football Focus and the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. Well, he's going to be here the whole episode to talk about the NFL Draft, Combine, Senior Bowl, Free Agency, all that fun stuff, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and we are back with Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. How you doing, Trevor? I'm doing great, Brandon. Appreciate you having me on again, man. I always enjoy these. So uh, it's kind of like tis the season at this point, right? Draft season. So it's a good excuse for us to get to talk a little bit of ball again. So appreciate you having me on, man. Oh, yeah. I love having you here. And I mean, listeners get to listen to someone that's not me. So that I'm sure that's a huge plus for them. I go on other shows and they're like, my listeners love you. And I'm like, mine don't. So that's <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case. We'll see. Um, looking at the combine is coming up. That's that's the big news here. And I'm going to get right into the big name. For the Florida Gators is Kyir Elam. How does he stack yeah, yeah. up against other corners in this class? Like, guys like Derek Stingley and what do you expect from him? Well, I mean, you know, when you look at corners, right, you could just look at football and how it's changed or evolved, I guess, over the last, let's say half decade, decade, where it's truly becoming a passing, not just league because they're doing, we're doing it in college football as well. We're seeing all sorts of passing attacks and with teams, whether college, or the NFL, with them truly emphasizing passing the ball a lot more on offense, they have also emphasized getting a lot more skill players on offense, wide receiver, tight end, things like that. And in turn, defenses now have to be able to cover those guys. So gone are the days where you could just go, oh man, they've got a good wide receiver one. If we cover them, we'll shut their passing attack down. No, these teams are two, three, four passing weapons deep. And so you've got to be able to have all sorts of corners for that. And bringing this a little bit back around towards Kair Elam, it's a stacked corner class this year with Derek Stingley and Trent McDuffie and Ahmad Garner and uh, Andrew Booth, right? So many of these guys I just kind of named off the top of my head. But I think Kair Elam is, is still right in that group. Now, there's some things about his game that I'm sure Gators fans have heard plenty. You know, if they follow the NFL draft at all, when they watch Kair Elam, they go, okay, you love the size, you love the fluidity, you love the speed, the mentality that he plays with. It's fantastic, but he gets a little grabby. He gets a little grabby, and he can he can cause a lot of penalties, and that's 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 tough, right? Because you definitely don't want to put a defensive back out there where offenses who are already looking to pass the ball a lot can think to themselves, okay, we might have a free first down here if I just throw the ball in this guy's general direction, and he's probably going to cause a penalty, a defensive pass interference or holding or something like that, be able to move the sticks that way. That's what you don't want. When you get to the NFL level, you've got to be a lot better at discipline. And that's the big area that Kyrie Elam has to be better. But the things that he's really good at gives you the category of coverage that is coveted. And that is that man coverage, press coverage ability that allows you to play whatever you want on the back end. If you're a more single high team, it allows you to have that flexibility and comfortability there. If you want to play more too high, well, that's okay. Kyrie can play in that regard as well. He could just be a little bit more aggressive for you if you want that on one side of the field. So with his great blend of size, fluidity, strength, speed, all of that, he gives you what you would want from a mold of a potential CB1, at the very least a CB2 in the NFL, but 
it's just kind of those things that he's got to get a little bit better at. And, and as we see in mock drafts, you're probably not going to see Kyer Elam's name up with Sauce Garner or with Derek Stingley or um, with guys like that at the very top of things because of that, because there's something to point to that you could think is a drawback. But, you know, you mentioned it right there, the combine and why the combine is huge for Elam. If Elam could come in at his size and run anything sub four five. So if he, if he runs like a four, four, eight, people are all of a sudden going to be like, okay, this guy's a lock for the first round and it doesn't really matter. Right. We're, we're just looking for good corners, corners with that kind of skill and speed, because that's also another thing that as I watch Kyrie Elam's tape, I don't think he's slow. I don't, I, I want to make sure that I, I say that right. I don't think he's slow in any means, but there are times when I go, okay, how fast is he? And I think that's a big question that we get to, answer a little bit here at the combine is is what his top end speed would be and if he can kind of show us that he hits that four four speed then you could say to yourself okay then i can get this out of him and a lot of the other stuff is right there for him so i think right now you're probably seeing him as a fringe first round second round corner but a really good 40 time and some good agility is obviously a really great combine performance overall will solidify him in the first round yeah, I think he's someone who's just like at the combo. I cannot wait to see him work. I, I I just feel like he's gonna have a great day or have a great week for him. But um, another now I know there are higher profile names on this defense, but someone that I want to talk to first or talk about first is Jeremiah Moon because we talk sure. about the combine and we talk about someone who can blow it up. And Jeremiah Moon, he's one of those guys that can do it. So what are your thoughts on him to this point? Yeah, and he needs to, right? Because when you look at him, you know, he's got the couple of injury reeled seasons. He was a super senior, so he's been around for a while. He's not like this true junior who this second he had the ability to go pro, he goes pro. And, uh, you know, I think that unfortunately for him, even with the understood injuries involved, there's so many really great edge players that go out as true juniors that not only is he going to be older than them, there's going to be concerns of like, okay, well, was he that big of a difference maker? Because these other guys really were as their first time as draft eligible players. And so I think that's going to really push, and it really has pushed Jeremiah Moon's stock in this class down a lot towards the mid rounds and the late part of the draft. But I think that what he does best is still as a fast kind of one gap shooting pass rusher. And he feels like more of a, outside linebacker type than any kind of like hand in the dirt four three edge rusher. And so I think he's going to play outside linebacker at the next level. I think he's good for odd fronts, obviously as a stand-up guy in a two point stance, but he just doesn't seem super disciplined in how he works. There's a lot of like wasted steps. There's not a lot of like decisiveness. There's not a lot of like point A to point B in a straight line. If you will, there's a lot of things to clean up in how he gets the most out of his talent. And I'm not so sure he's ever going to be a starter in the NFL, but what he could do really well is a kind of just like a pass rush specialist, if you will, a special teams guy who can also come in on those long downs on third downs and maybe give you a speed element on the outside as a, as a standup rusher. So for him, the combine, the combine again is really important because you need to see that explosiveness. You've got to see it because right now he's, I don't really know where, some teams would draft him. I'd, I'd say that he's probably somewhere between fifth round, seven round. Like I just feel like he's a day three guy wherever he's going to go right now. But if you put some speed out there at the combine and you and and people get to raise their eyebrows a little bit and say, okay, he's got a little bit of explosiveness here, I can clean up some of the moments where he's not getting off the ball as quickly as he needs to, or has some false steps, or just like isn't 
isn't as effective as a speed rusher as he could be. Coaches can convince themselves that they can clean all that up with Jeremiah Moon and maybe get a really good sub package kind of a player in there. So that's kind of my outlook of him right now. That's why the combine is important for him. I think his future in the NFL is going to be more as a situational pass rush type. So you got to show that you got the speed, you got the explosiveness for coaches to buy in on you. Yeah, and then he's also the only person that I know of that accepted two senior bowl invites and was at neither senior bowl. So, so, so there's that. Anybody else make money this weekend? I know I did. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I got a little, got a little saucy with it on Saturday and Sunday. A little, a little bit of a cookout here. Uh, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, Florida losing a ton hasn't been great for me, but like NBA props are just bang, 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 just wild. BetOnline.net even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, which you guys know. Always on my phone when I do it. BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. Speaking of the Senior Bowl, we we were there. And mm-hmm. uh, there were two Gators there to really talk about with Zachary Carter and Damian Pierce. And Damian Pierce is someone who everyone loves him. Yeah, he, he did the one-on-ones and he was pass protecting there. And he was killing it, which was expected. Right. Um, what do you think or where do you think he stacks up with the other running backs in this class? No, I think he's really good, man. I mean, this is not a class that has uh, Christian McCaffrey, a Saquon Barkley, uh, something like that at the very top. I mean, like the, it, it's it's kind of a pick your preference kind of a running back class this year. And with that, you know, I've had conversations before where, you know, sometimes people have said to me, hey, you know, like I'll take Damian Pierce above anybody in this class. Now, does that mean that he's going to be the first running back off the board? No, it doesn't. But they're basically saying, where you can pick Damian Pierce, I'd rather have him there than somebody like Brees Hall, maybe in like the top 50, like a fringe first rounder who's probably going to go at the beginning of the second round or Kenneth Walker or whoever it is. These running backs that are probably going to get picked before him, would you rather have them at the top of the second round or would you rather have Damian Pierce more in like the third round range? And a lot of people would be like, okay, well, I'll wait and I'll take Damian Pierce. And so I think he has a lot going for him. In that regard, I think the Senior Bowl definitely helped. I think the Combine's only going to help as well because, I mean, you know this, Brandon, and, and your listeners who, who follow the Gators know this. He's a great interview, man. He's just an awesome dude. He loves football. He's so genuine. Uh, I mean, you see it on the field. You see it when the helmet comes off. And just teams are going to love him, man. Those are the kind of the mid-round players that you want to build the meat of your roster around. You know, are they going to be the biggest stars in the world? And I don't know if Damian Paris is going to be a full-time RB1 in the NFL. I'm not sure. But I know that he can have a damn long career in the NFL if he wants to. You know, whether that's an RB2 or a full rotation of a guy or a third down specialist or whatever it is, this guy is a good football player. And so I, I, I honestly feel like, Damian Pierce is almost playing with house money at this point. Like it, it, the NFL already likes him enough with his tape to where as long as he doesn't have like terrible testing numbers, anything oh, that you would, anything that you would see with him, whether it's, Oh, he showed some more in the explosiveness than I thought, or maybe he ran a faster three cone than I thought, or he had a faster 40 time than I thought. That's all just, just, positive that's all just bonus at this point for a guy whose stock i think is really high relative to what we thought it would be coming into this 
draft season. So I think the, I think the Damian Pierce is in a really good spot. Yeah, it's great. Like just seeing people on like Twitter be like, "Oh, like I wish he had more touches," and it's like you don't even know the half of it from this right. side. Right. So like, please. Um, and then there's also Zachary Carter, who's mm-hmm. obviously more of that hybrid DND tackle type. So, what are your thoughts about him right now? He is. Yeah, I mean, like he's a bigger dude. Um, he, he can play. You know, I wouldn't. I probably not going to put him at like nose tackle or or one or zero, but like he could play a three tech defensive tackle. He could play a four eye. He could play a five tech. He could play even a little bit further out wide. I mean, like you can get pretty creative with what you do with Zachary Carter along the defensive line, and those are the kinds of guys that again you draft in the mid rounds. You draft anywhere from late round three to four, or maybe even early five. I don't know if he's going to last that long, but it just depends what the NFL thinks of him. These are players that you would love to have as your second wave on your defensive line. The players that you can come in and be able to take over for somebody if anybody goes down. If an interior defensive lineman goes down, you might be able to plug Zachary Carter into there as a three-tech. If if an edge rusher goes down, you could possibly get a little bit heavier and place him as a, a full-time defensive end. I don't know how much two-point stance rushing you want from him. You don't want to kick him out too far. But he's got all that versatility to him, and he's of a bigger size. And you love the motor too, right? You love that about him. I think he plays with a ton of effort. And he's not going to be this individual flashy guy who just wins right off the jump. And that, that just hasn't been his style. That's not really been his thing at any point, but he's just, a, he's a really solid player. And again, I think that he's a guy who is scouting report and his stock is kind of solidified at this point. And anything that we're going to get from him in the combine that might surprise might just be an added bonus. It might kick him a little bit closer towards that third round selection than it would be say like a fifth round. But, you know, I think that that's probably the sweet spot right in the middle of there is, is what people are thinking about him a fourth or fifth round guy, depending on how much a team might covet his versatility, what he might be able to do as a rotational defensive lineman. Yeah. He was someone when uh, senior bowl like rosters dropped and I was just like, he is going to be awesome with the lions. Like I, like they like to, Oh yeah. The line. It's like, he would just be great. If he just stayed there, but uh, there's two more Gators that aren't combine invites and weren't senior bowl guys in Malik Davis and Gene DeLance. So where are you at on them? Malik Davis, especially someone who has no buzz. Yeah. So I I like Gene DeLance a lot. I got to sit down with him in Las Vegas at East West shrine. And I got to ask him a lot of questions about playing right tackle. And, you know, what was it like, you know, starting along a defensive line that was so run heavy this past year yet so pass heavy the year before and he talked about how it really rounded out his game it forced him to be a more all-around offensive lineman and that's that's something that I think is really great for him that he has that in his experience and his background moving forward I also asked him when we were in Las Vegas at the East West Shrine I said hey what's the game you know if a scout comes to you and says hey I want to see I want to see your best game like I want to see what you have to offer, what game am I going to go watch? And he kind of smiled and he's like, I picked the Alabama game. I picked when I went up against Will Anderson. And I was like, what? Nobody should, nobody <laughs> should say that. Will Anderson's the best pass rusher in the country. What do you mean? And he, and he even says there, he's like, that's not my best game. Cause obviously Will Anderson's really good. And he's like, Will got the better of me sometimes, but he said, I got the better of him sometimes. And he's like, I would want to show scouts that though that's not my best game. He's like, my best game would probably be, 
against an inferior opponent that we had. It's like, I want to show them that I am not afraid to go up against the best. Go turn on my tape against the best. Let's go talk about it. Look at where I win. Look at where I can get better. And I love that mindset about him. So I'm not really sure where his stock is. Obviously, as a, an East-West Shrine guy, fully in the in the realm of, of being drafted, probably as a day three guy right now. But um, really enjoyed that. Malik Davis, man, I've liked Malik Davis for a while. And, you know, for the listeners that don't know, I went to UF as well. I graduated in 2014. And so um, I watch every single Gator game. And I've, I've liked Malik Willis for a long time. And obviously, he had the injuries that held him back for a little bit there. But I still think this dude has a chance to be a really nice third down back in the NFL. I, I think that he can develop the soft hands at the pro level. I think he's got the speed. I think he's got the shiftiness. Not so sure he's ever going to be used as an early down back. But we know how deep running back rotations need to be in the NFL. Not just the one, the two, and the three that you dress on game day. But also some practice squad guys, you get to, especially running backs, man, running backs can be on practice squads for a couple of years in the NFL and stick around and really wait for their opportunity because we know it's unfortunately a position that suffers a lot of injuries because of all the punishment it takes. So I really do, man. I know that not a lot of people are talking about Malik Davis. A lot of people much more interested in Damian Pierce and with good reason. I don't want to take anything away from Pierce, but I think Malik, Malik uh, Davis has the chance to have a really nice career as kind of that scat back in the NFL, a really nice speed third down specialist. Yeah. He's someone I, I was actually like kind of shocked that he didn't get a combine invite. Cause he wasn't at the all-star games. Some guys did get invites where I was like, I don't really understand him specifically at running back where I just didn't really see it. And I was like, Malik Davis, he's someone who NFL teams haven't really gotten a chance to see in person. And I thought they'd be like, Hey, bring him in. Like, let, let's get a chance to yep. see him and talk to him and, work him out a bit but hey whatever he'll be he'll be an undrafted guy that makes a team happy at some point hopefully Um, it's the new year so that means it's new year's resolution time if yours is about getting fit eating healthier working out more whatever it might be make sure you include built bar in your plan i'm bad at keeping my new year's resolution i just got back into working out again because i was like hey I, i like i gotta i gotta clean it up but every year, my weakness is the sweet tooth. It's it's even when I'm not as like a New Year's resolution. Like it's the sweet tooth that gets me every single time. But with Built Bar, at least I get to um, handle it a little better. It's already coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have 130 calories and just four net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein. So you can throw out the hidden stashes, Reese's, and the in the what was it desk drawer kit kat in the cupboard whatever it might be just make sure to get built bar to replace it you don't gotta sneak around you don't gotta feel guilty built bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors so that you'll never get bored use promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off of your next order that is locked l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 to get 15 percent off of your next order at built or builtbar.com <laughs> moving on from just the draft there's something i've been talking about frequently lately with Gators free agents because NFL free agency is also here offseason just so much happening in such a short period of time and there are roughly 19 Gators hitting free agency but we're going to talk about some of them and first up I'm going with Joe Hayden he's one of my favorite Gators of all time what do you think about him and his future no, I I like Joe, and I know Joe's a fan favorite with a lot of with a lot of Gators fans who have been watching him since the national championship days, right? And, and Joe's been just such a steady, fantastic corner in the NFL. I think there were a couple of years there where he was 
he was one of the best corners in the league. I think that those days, unfortunately, are behind him. He's about to turn 33 years old. Uh, I think it's April. I think April is when I checked for his birthday. But he'll be 33 next season. And so, you know, when you're a 33-year-old corner, it's a position that demands so much athleticism and the drop-off for how athletic you are. It, it comes quick. And, you know, for Joe Hayden, it seems like he's not going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler next year. That seems to be the overwhelming thought. But I still think that he can land somewhere in the NFL. The thing with him, though, is that it has to be a really zone-heavy scheme. It's got to be something that you've got safety help over the top. You, you, it's, it's a team that plays a lot of too high. You know, that's the fit that we've got to see for Joe Hayden because you can't play him in a single high press man coverage kind of system anymore. I just don't think you're going to get the most bang for your buck, but he's a smart, fluid, talented corner still that I think can really contribute to a team. It's just got to be in a certain role. So it might not be the blockbuster deal for Joe Hayden that it might've been, you know, four five, six years ago, but I still think he can hang in the NFL. It's just got to be with a team that plays with a lot of safety help over the top. Lovey Smith is back in the NFL, so as as a head coach, so true, it's true, might, might be solid for him there. Then there's someone who uh, I don't even the most inconsistent career that I've seen so far in Dante Fowler Jr., who mm. I mean he restructured in August and was hit, set to hit free agency and then got released a little bit early by the Falcons. So what about him and his future outlook? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't really know what to think of Fowler because even when he signed his last deal for uh, all that money, what was it like three years, $48 million or something? I was like, man, that's a yeah. lot for Dante Fowler. <laughs> uh, but Hey, you know, like good for him, I guess he's, he's getting the baggie. Uh, he definitely was able to capitalize off the success that he had playing in Los Angeles next to Aaron Donald and with that defensive line there. So, I mean, good for him, but he, he just, he was never going to live up to that contract. And unfortunately that's kind of kind of been the Dante Fowler jr. Story. He's just never really lived up to the expectations. I don't think Dante Fowler jr. Has been terrible as a football player. It's just that, you know, when you're the number three overall pick and when you come from a double digit sack season and when you sign for, all that money like the expectations are high and he was just never gonna live up to those expectations because oh it really he never has so I don't know I think another one-year deal is probably coming for him it's it's gonna be a team that you know pass rushers get a lot of money so it's gonna be something near the 10 million dollar mark um, even though it's kind of what he was released at I think that he's probably gonna get somewhere between seven nine million dollars it's gonna be a one-year deal who knows at this point who's gonna look for it but the NFL is always starving for pass rushers. And so, you know, this dude's touted as a talented guy. He's still healthy. He went number three overall. He's had success before. So he's going to land on a team, but it's not going to be a deal like he like he's recently signed in the past. And we have Marcus May as the next defender to talk about. He's, I mean, mm. franchise tag injured. And, and yeah, how do you feel about him? Yeah, it sucks for Marcus May, right? Because he had a lot of leverage when the Jets traded away Jamal Adams without first really extending Marcus May, right? Because you lose Jamal Adams and now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you have to pay Marcus May or you're going to be absolutely terrible. And the Jets have been terrible in the secondary anyways, which is probably why you would tell yourself like, we better keep one of the good guys that we have, but tears his Achilles. And that's such a, it's, it's just, it's one of the worst injuries you could have for his position because it's so stop and start. And the Achilles is something that is, is just paramount when it comes to speed and 
acceleration and change of direction. And it's just, we see so many players, unfortunately, suffer Achilles injuries that never are able to get back to the athletic form that they were before. They can play, they can come back to the NFL, but it's not the same. And so, you know, with Marcus maybe in 29 years old, he reportedly turned down a deal that was going to give him anywhere from like 11 to $13 million a year, plays on the franchise tag. I don't even, I, I don't, I don't know what you give him at this point because you don't know what he's going to be that, like I said, like playing defensive back and tearing your Achilles is not good. I, I, I would almost be shocked if he gets anything more than a one-year deal at this point, because he's probably all of the multi-year contracts that he's probably going to get offered are going to be these way bargain deals. And he's probably not going to want to sign it. He's probably going to sign a one-year deal. He's probably going to try to come back and basically like prove it, if you will, that he's healthy again, and then hopefully try to slingshot that into a better free agency uh, situation a year from now. But sucks, man, because Marcus May is awesome. I think he's a fantastic safety, and um, it just that's that's such a tough injury. It's awful timing, and hopefully it works out for the best for him. But he's in a tough spot. Yeah, safeties stop doing the tag. You know, Marcus May, Earl Thomas. It 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 happens. Once you sign that tag, you're destined for an injury at that Not point. Not good. Um, we also have Trent Brown. Is he he signed one massive free agent contract right so far? He's he's headed towards free agency, or at least it looks like it right now. And what do you think about him and where he might wind up? Yeah, I mean, kind of along the same lines as Dante Fowler, like teams are always going to look for good offensive linemen. And Trent Brown, for as much as he hasn't been available, unfortunately, right? That's why he signed that mega deal with the Raiders, and he's no longer even on the Raiders because he just straight up wasn't available for them. They ended up trading him back to the um, to the Patriots. Like, he's... He, he's going to get paid. He's getting somebody's going to pay this dude because he, when he has been on the field, he has been good, especially when he's been in New England. And so I think that somebody's going to give him a bag. Somebody's going to give him another bag. I don't know how much it's going to be. I don't know how close it's going to be to the previous big deal that he signed with the Raiders. But, you know, whether it's in New England or whether it's somewhere else, I think he's destined to get paid again. But he is, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Makai Beckton, right? It's just can guys this big survive like this and often the answer is no we're seeing that the jets are already annoyed with makai becton because it's not that he's got bad weight on him it's not like he's like like unhealthy fat i mean he's an offensive lineman so obviously he's got some girth to him but like you know it, it's not like he's a super sloppy weight he's just huge and when you're that big you're just you are more likely to be injury prone, and so whether it's Makai Beckton or Trent Brown or whoever, the, the 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 statistics are against you for being that big and just being able to be available all the time. So I think that that's uh, you know I, I think a team is going to sign Trent Brown for a lot of money, and I think that he is still going to be up and down in his availability, just because that's the way that he's always been. Yeah. And then the last player to talk about is someone who. I especially love talking about his pro football focus numbers because it's out Saloni. If you look at his coverage numbers, not, not the coverage grade itself, but just the first few weeks of the season, he was on pace to give up about a thousand receiving yards. Um, and then Jamie Collins got cut and Alex Anzalone from weeks, I believe it's five to the end of the season gave up under 150 receiving yards for the entirety of the season. And he's someone who also has struggled with injuries Right. So, what do you think Alex Anzalone can get, or what can he do? 
Yeah, and this goes back to the Florida days, right? With him not really being available, and and you know, as I was kind of thinking about this podcast and and uh, looking up some uh, some of Anzalone's numbers, like it's not the worst. Like it's not like he's missed a, an egregious amount of time in his career. He just often ends seasons on IR, and I think it was 2017, the end of the season on IR. 2018, he played all 16 games. 2019, the end of the season on IR. Injured again in 2020. So it's just like he has a lot of injuries to him, but he's been on the field probably more, at least I'll say more to his credit than people just be like, oh, he's injury prone. He's never out there. No, okay, yeah. he's out there. But I, I do, I, I I don't know. I really, this is, this is a really tough one for me. I don't know what he's going to get on the open market because he's got athleticism for the position that's always coveted. It doesn't always translate into coverage, but it had recently. So how much do you believe in that? I think that the team's going to give him a chance and they're going to say, okay, if this guy's healthy, he's playing in a better spot after Jamie Collins left. So I think a team's going to give him a decent amount of money. I, I really do just because he, he does move so fluidly. He is so quick. He does have that athleticism, but the injury hurts. The injury history hurts him no matter what. All right. And that's it. Thank you so much, Trevor, for coming on. Always awesome to have you here. Make sure to catch Trevor on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey and catch all his work with PFF. And he's just dope. <laughs> Appreciate it, Brandon. Anytime, man. I know uh, I know. we'll probably have another one of these either before the draft or after the draft to see where all the Gator guys go. So I'm excited for that already. Oh, of course. Yeah, we'll, we'll for sure link up again. Thank you. All right. That about does it for today's episode of Locked On Gators. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker, love Crocky, bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. For Locked On Gators, I am Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole 9 Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E and I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all tomorrow.